Welcome to another edition of the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Carlin Gay alongside Gil McGregor. Gil, welcome back to the program, my friend. It feels good to be back, man. I guess it's no coincidence. I'm back and, and, and now basketball is back. So it's exciting times for sure. Basketball's back. I'm not, I'm not even going to lie to you, G. I put, on my, I put on my Raptors throwback shorts today. I got my Raptors socks on. I got my Home is Canada Peace Collective tee on. I am ready to pod today. As you said, basketball is back. Uh, we're recording on a Wednesday. Scrimmages are happening today. Today, scrimmages are happening. We don't really care about that on this podcast, however. We care about the Raptors. It's all about the Raptors. And uh, they get started scrimmage-wise on Friday the 24th, 7.30 p.m. Uh, you catch that game on TSN. But as a matter of fact, all three scrimmages that the Raptors are going to be a part of are going to be on TV, which is first and foremost incredible uh, that we get an, an opportunity to kind of see like a pseudo summer league for these Raptors. Yeah, yeah, you know it's been a long it's been a long four months uh, without basketball, um, and, and the fact that it's back and the fact that we get to see it, it's like you know it's kind of like the tree falling in the woods. If, if you didn't get to see it, it didn't really happen. So these scrimmages are being televised. Um, we get a chance to get a look at what everything's going on and, and how the guys are looking. And uh, really build the excitement for uh, when this seeding games restart uh, beginning of August or the end of J- July as well. Yeah, and, and thank goodness they cut the quarters down to 10 minutes because there's no way that people were going to sit through a full 48-minute basketball game that didn't mean anything. I mean, you, you struggle to get people to watch preseason games, but to watch a scrimmage uh, where most stars are going to be sitting out and everything else, which we'll get into right here on this podcast, uh, but it would have been tough to ask people to watch 48 minutes of meaningless basketball. Yeah, for sure. And I think it would have been tough for the players, too. Like I said, four months of, without playing and, and obviously they've been practicing and having some five on five scrimmages. But you always hear people say, like, there's nothing like game speed. And, and I don't think so, some guys would have made it for 48 minutes. So I think 40 <laughs> minutes is the, is the perfect set of time to ease everybody in and uh, get everybody back up to speed. No question. So let's get into it. What, what should we expect to see from the Raptors from this in, in the scrimmages? Because they're, they're playing three times. Like we said, we're not going to see full rotations. Nick Nurse is not going to be playing Fred VanVleet and Kyle Lowry 40 minutes like he did at the beginning of the season. It's going to look different. So what should we expect to see from these Raptors? I think first and foremost, it's important to temper the expectations. I, mean, I feel like I sound like a broken record at this point. But again, it has been a, a big, a long period of time since guys have played. And I think there's going to be some rust. Um, naturally. Uh, guys are going to be a little bit off with the timing, got to get back used to playing against one another or with one another. Um, you know, the Raptors had a little bit of, of an advantage having that pre-bubble bubble in, in Fort Myers where they were able to work out, but that was still four people at a time. They were on the same playing field as everybody else with uh, getting on the, on the court after practicing for about two weeks. So I think there's going to be some rust. They're going to have to get, get the rust gone. Um, but I, I, after that, uh, I do think that, you know, we talked about the guys um, getting eased out of the rotation or into the rotation, uh, and Nick Nurse isn't going to play everybody. Um, I, I do think you'll see some interesting lineups that you might not have necessarily seen uh, during the season. Um, but I do think that it'll be some some interesting basketball and good basketball overall once the rust is gone. Yeah, uh, you mentioned interesting lineups. I looked at the Raptors injury report. Uh, on basketball reference and for the first time in a long time it wasn't populated full of names the Raptors of course uh, fifth most man games lost to injury they've had uh, 20 different combinations of five man lineups this season Uh, at least 20 different combinations of five man lineups this season Uh, the most common the one that's played the most 
uh, so far this year. And the one that we will probably see in crunch time is obviously the starting lineup of Marcus Sol, OG Ananobi, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, and Fred Van Vliet. Uh, but we probably won't see that in these scrimmages. So what sort of lineups do you expect Nick Nurse to tinker with when we go through uh, these three games? You know, one thing I, I saw recently they talked about was was a quote-unquote jumbo lineup. And, and I think being able to experiment with with a lineup that maybe is like Patrick McCall and, and Norman Powell and, and OG or Pascal uh, and then a front court of um, Marcus Gasol and, and Serge Ibaka, you might see that just for a couple minutes just to see what it looks like, see how – Patrick McCall can run the offense or something like that just to have different looks to throw at different teams. Because, I mean, we know Nick Nurse to be an experimental coach, and and I think this is the time to experiment. You know, these games are uh, inconsequential results-wise, but you can take a lot from what you're able to see from these these units and these lineups, what they can do together. They might experiment with a small ball lineup. Uh, I know we'll talk a little bit more about uh, their opener against the Rockets, um, but, you know, one thing we've heard from some of these coaches is that they're working together because everybody's trying to get up to speed, and these teams won't meet again unless they meet in the finals, so there's not really much – to be gained from them, you know, kind of showing their hand in these games. Obviously, they'll be televised and, and they'll be able to scout. Um, but I think that, you know, maybe it's something, a look that the Rockets can replicate that uh, a team like the Celtics can do in the postseason. And then the the Raptors are trying to figure out how to combat that. So maybe they do a small ball lineup, uh, you know, with Pascal at the five or something like that. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of experimental type things because of who Nick Nurse is and because of the unique circumstance, because these wins and losses don't really mean anything. It's about getting everybody up to speed. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how much he does go to the jumbo lineup, as he said. Uh, you know, having, you know, Marcus All and, and, and Serge Ibaka on the floor at the same time really hasn't been uh, successful this so far this season for for the Raptors. They, they've just... They haven't played much together, obviously, and and but uh, you know having that lineup, you would think traditionally that that would work uh, with both of those guys being able to defend as well as they have. Mark could, you know, he's he's more of a, a quarterback at this point of his career. That allows Surge now to to fly around the the court and, and be that rim protector. But uh, it, it just really hasn't been uh, successful for them uh, so far this year. That doesn't mean it's not going to be successful for them in the playoffs going forward, but it just hasn't been successful this year. Maybe in the scrimmages, we'll figure out if, uh, if that's something that nurse will go to uh, down the stretch. Um, do you think anyone will break out of the rotation or fall out of the rotation in these three games? You know, when you look at the Raptors and you talk about how deep of a team they are, one, we wouldn't have ever learned how deep they were if there weren't for all the injuries that they dealt with this year. I think we were able to learn uh, a lot more about Terrence Davis and Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and, and even to a different extent, guys like like uh, Patrick McCall and, and Matt Thomas. Um, but when I look at their roster, I think one through seven is pretty set in stone, the starting five, and then Norm and, and Serge or Mark, whoever's coming off the bench. Um, I think that Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Terrence Davis, and Chris Boucher are kind of in that area where they have a set amount of minutes that they're going to get to see what they can bring to, to the table. But I think that they're both in the spot where they can earn a, a few more minutes here and there. You know, you look at Chris Boucher, a guy who's put on some weight and he's talking about how that's going to help his game. And you go into the postseason, he's a guy who's largely known as an energy guy, but you add a little more substance to that energy. And he's had some great games this year, don't get me wrong, but add a little more substance to him just being an energy guy. I think that that will, will help him. And then I, then I look at the next tier, like McCall and, and Thomas. Um, these are guys who can go from having uh, a, a role that sometimes isn't necessarily set to maybe earning a set role and being on that tier with those guys. But at the same time, 
you know, you look, you're going towards a postseason. There's three scrimmages and eight seeding games. You know, that's when the rotations shrink anyway. So mm-hmm. these are guys, you know, it, it's hard to say um, with having seven set guys and three guys who are more or less set in the rotation. I don't really see the team playing any more than nine or ten guys in postseason games. And, and the way I see it right now, that eight, nine, ten of Terrence Davis, Rondé House, Jefferson, and Chris Boucher, they're pretty much cemented in it as well. So I think that when it comes down to guys like McCall and Thomas, it's just matchup based. You know, Thomas is obviously a, a sharpshooter, defensively has some liabilities and questions and concerns, but, you know, you can put him in situationally when you need shooting. Uh, and I think that that's really what it's going to be dependent on for guys like that to earn more time or earn more trust in those situations. The injury bug has hurt Patrick McCaw this season. He's only played in 37 games. He's actually started in 12 of them. I don't know what it is about Patrick McCaw, but Nick Nurse trusts him a ton. He's playing close to 25 minutes per game this season. That is, as you said, that top seven is locked in. Patrick McCaw has the eighth most minutes per average uh, this season for the team. And then it goes to Ron Ellis, Jefferson, Terrence Davis, and of course, Chris Boucher. Out of that foursome, who do you think takes that eighth spot? And and will it matter how they play in the scrimmages for them to take that eighth spot? Man, I, I think that the scrimmages will – I think it'll it'll give a good idea of, of who's resting, who's more prepared. Um, I, I'm kind of torn in this one between Terrence Davis and Ronda Hallis Jefferson. I think um, Ronda Hallis Jefferson is the, the consummate energy guy. Uh, we've kind of looked at some – some deep, deep stats and deep analytic numbers that show he's one of the most or the most versatile defender in the NBA based on his ability to guard, you know, one through four, or one through five. I think that's something that's invaluable, especially going into the postseason. You know, teams try to hunt mismatches, try to, you know, do those things on the defensive end. And I think that matchups are so important in the postseason. Um, you know, he has some size. He's been finishing well around the rim. And uh, Scott Rafferty wrote about it. He has an interesting pick and roll situation with with Kyle Lowry where Kyle Lowry is setting the screen on Rondé while he's playing the five and he's able to get some offense off of that. Um, I, I look at him and see him kind of like a jack of all trades, um, even on offense, you know, offensive rebounds, uh, tip-ins, energy plays. He's there and I think that's the type of guy who can, you know, in between the lines in playoff series can sway, you know, the outcome of a game or two just with his hustle and effort. And I think Terrence Davis is a close uh, ninth, but it's just hard to put all of that on a rookie. So I would say RHJ is, is at eight. Yeah, he's uh, he is, as you said, according to the numbers, the most versatile defender uh, in, in the NBA, according, according to the NBA's matchup data. So, uh, you know, Christian Naru, a, uh, a, a contributor to uh, the uh, B ball index, uh, took his time and put together uh, using the NBA's matchup data. Uh, you know, a list that, uh, you know, kind of judges versatility, guys who are guarding multiple positions. And Rondé Hollis-Jefferson ranks number one above everyone else in the NBA. Guess who's number five? I'm, I'm assuming it's it's another Raptor. Uh, and, and if it's not Kyle Lowry, then I would say OG. It's definitely OG Ananobi. OG, OG Ananobi, the fifth most versatile defender, according to uh, Christian Aru's uh, you know, defensive versatility research that he's done using the NBA's matchup data. You mentioned Scott Rafferty, and we will talk about him right now. He's written a ton of articles on NBA.com as we get set for the restart of the season, starting with the scrimmages. As we said, the Houston Rockets are up first. You can catch up on everything you've missed since the pause. Myself, 
Gil McGregor, Scott Rafferty, Micah Adams, Alex Novick, the entire team have you covered all Raptors news all season long on NBA.com. You want to find out who the best free agents are heading into the offseason. I know it's a little early, but a lot of those free agents happen to be Raptors, and Scott Rafferty ranked those free agents. Uh, you want to find out just how good Terrence Davis is or how good he can be? Myself, Gil McGregor, Scott Rafferty, and Alex Novick took a stab at comparing Terrence Davis to other NBA stars. I went with Wes Matthews, a guy who people might you know cringe when they hear that, but think about Wes Matthews, who's been in the league now for 10 years as an undrafted player, made over $100 million. And oh, by the way, he was pretty athletic in his rookie year before he started getting hurt. Uh, so go through that and look at Wes Matthews' mixtape in his rookie season before you kill me and say that Terrence Davis is far more athletic than Wesley Matthews is right now. Gil, who did you say in that article? No, I think mine, mine might get a little more scrutiny than yours. I went with Deshaun <laughs> Stevenson. Um, you know, it was kind of difficult to, to find a one-for-one a, a -one match with somebody as unique as Terrence Davis. He has an interesting blend of size and, and skill and athleticism, but instead of, you know, off-court antics aside, bringing Soldier Boy courtside aside, I, I looked at Deshaun <laughs> Stevenson and the fact that, you know, he was a starter for some years, um, a, a big time contributor for a championship team. You know, he was really known as a three and D guy for that Mavericks team and hit some huge shots for a championship team. So looking at the peak of what Deshaun Stevenson was and who he was and saying, okay, if Terrence Davis can be this consistently, I think he could be better than Deshaun Stevenson, but just looking at similar size, um, you know, can shoot the ball well, defend. Um, and, and it also helps that I, I probably saw Deshaun Stevenson's best game of his life up close and personal. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm basing off of that peak. Um, but I do see some parallels and similarities to, to, to what Terrence Davis could become, become. Yeah. Find out what Alex Novick and Scott Rafferty decided to rank uh, Terrence Davis as one guy from the 90s that Alex Novick is a big fan of. And Scott Rafferty going a little bit more current with his selection over on NBA.com. All right, uh, you know, Marcus Gasol lost a lot of weight um, and he, he, over, the, over the break, and uh, he's now known as Skinny Mark, and we, we know that he's on the starting lineup. We know that he plays – he's on the lineup that's played the most minutes this season, but he hasn't played up to his Marcus Gasol standards. Now, part of that has to do with age. A lot of that had to do with the fact that he was just not healthy and, and, and not, uh, you know, the guy that he, he, he could have been. But at age 35, heading back into the bubble where, you know, he's, he's probably going to be used sparingly, let's say, for the next – for the scrimmages and also the eight seeding games. I see Nick Nurse ramping his minutes back up in the playoffs. But what should we expect out of a guy like Marcus Gasol at age 35 who is, you know, looking for a, a deal next season? What can he give the Raptors heading into the playoffs? I think the biggest or most underrated aspect of – this, you know, hiatus for a guy like Marc Gasol, he was basically granted no offseason. You know, you talk about last season, he plays till late June, then he goes uh, and, and plays with Spain. And then as soon as that's done, the World Cup is over, he's back at training camp and doesn't really have time to get acquainted or adjusted to the Raptors because, I mean, he was a midseason addition last year. So I do think um, once he's back and, and, you know, getting the rust off a little bit like everybody else, um, and, and playing sparingly before these seeding games, I think we're going to see a refreshed Mark with who, who can bring a lot more to the table. I think that now he's been given a fair shot to uh, kind of recover his body, uh, get a true training camp 
with this team because he never had that before um, to, to kind of get more accustomed to everything and not necessarily have to continue to be going 100 miles an hour because like you said, at 34, 35 years old, that's not easy to do for a guy with as many miles on his body as Marcus Gasol has. Uh, I think we're going to see somebody refresh. You know, Terrence Davis said that he looks like prime Mark. Um, <laughs> and one thing that, that Nick Nurse said that they plan on doing is looking for ways to use him more offensively. You know, his, his numbers, his scoring numbers went down as soon as he went to Toronto. This is a guy who's averaged double figures and to about seven or eight points per game last year. But that was more so because there's, I mean, there was Kawhi last year and this year. You know, there's so many options on the team offensively that they've had seven or eight different guys leading the scoring this year. And Marcus Gasol isn't one of them. Um, I do expect him to have a, a bigger role as a scorer. Um, Nick Nurse said they want to get his usage rate up. So I think they're going to put the ball in his hands more. You know, he can get the ball in the elbow and pass the ball more, get the ball top to key, pass the ball more, uh, but also get some more post touches. I think that uh, they can take advantage of some mismatches if he's got a guy who's smaller on him. Like Marcus, skinny Mark now, quote unquote, but he's still a pretty big guy and pretty strong. So I think he provides some matchup problems, especially if the Raptors were to face a team like the Celtics down the road in the postseason who have some issues on the interior defensively. I think that Marcus All and, and Serge Ibaka, those two big guys can, can be a one-two punch to, to pass, give some problems to teams on the block. Yeah, he's still one of the most uh, important Raptors uh, on the team. When he's on the court, the Raptors are plus, point, or plus 10.4 uh, net rating. When he's off the court, their net rating drops down to 4.1. Um, you know, that's the impact that he just makes when he's when he's around uh, on both ends of the floor. And you, you mentioned a lot about his usage rate, that going up and, and, and being getting him more involved offensively. Defensively is really where uh, the Raptors use him and, and, and he where he'll get the most uh, value. Uh, we'll, we'll get the most value out of him, uh, you know, when he's on the floor for for the Toronto Raptors. Um, he's just, you know, he, even at his advanced age, he just knows how to get it done and put guys in the perfect position. He's like a coach on the floor in that aspect. Not that he needs to when he has great defenders like OG and Pascal and, 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 and even Fred and, and, and Kyle Lowry around him. Uh, but he's still just the, 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 you know, the guy that's just a sure hand back, you know, to rim protect and, and, and really uh, disrupt He's not going up and, and, and blocking shots as much anymore, but he's still long, lengthy and, and able to get his hands in the way of, you know, what would be an easy layup. Uh, for, for most guys. So, uh, you know, Mark's value to me, huge on a defensive end. I know we're going to see more of him offensively. Nick Nurse wants to give him the ball a little bit more to give him some more ball movement options and take some pressure off of Pascal mainly and, and, and Kyle to create. But defensively is really where he's going to shine. All right, we got three yeah. seeding games coming up. Um, l- like we said, we're not going to see a lot of the vets go. Uh, and, and, and we're really going to find out uh, you know, how, how much better Chris Boucher looks with the size on him. We're going to find out if, if Matt Thomas, uh, you know, can continue to shoot the three at a high level. Um, you know, Patrick McCaw will finally see him healthy this season. But there are a lot of future Raptors that might get some burn. The Raptors are taking 17 players with them or already have 17 players with them in Orlando. That's more than most teams. Uh, and that means that Paul Watson, O'Shea Brissett, uh, those types of guys, you know, are, are down there. So what, what do you expect to see uh, out of the, uh, the young reps, the guys that are, are fighting uh, to, to maybe you know, earn a, a slot, not just with the team, but maybe in the NBA period? I'm excited to look at these guys play. Um, you know, the Raptors 
deservedly so get so much credit for their player development and, and the projects that they've had and, and the, getting the most out of everybody, literally one through 17. Um, you know, Paul Watson's a guy who we don't know too much about. He was picked up by the team and added to a two-way contract in mid-January. Um, he's played some some games with uh, you know, 905 this year, Raptors 905, and, and his numbers are, are pretty incredible. Honestly, he's averaging 19.7 rebounds. He's shooting like 42% from, from the on the arc and taking like seven threes per game. So you look at a guy who's like six, 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 seven, lengthy, rangy. Um, and I think that he is a guy who, uh, in something we've talked about, they, the Raptors brass seem to be really excited about him. And he seems like the prototypical guy, you know, moving forward in the future who might be able to step up and, and assume a big role down the line. He could be that next diamond in the rough. Obviously, O'Shea is a local guy who people have, have followed for, for some time now. And he is somebody who impressed me around New Year's when the team was dealing with a slew of injuries. He stepped into a role and played about 15, 16 minutes per game for a five or six game stretch and, and produced. And you don't see that often for, from a two-way guy. So I think that the two-way guys will show exactly why they've been invested in for the future. Um, and it'll be exciting to see them just kind of showcase what they're capable of doing on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see Paul Watson. I really am. I mean, he's 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 barely played uh, this season for the Raps, and he's you know had a cup of coffee in his NBA career. Obviously, he came over from uh, the Hawks, uh, Hawks organization. Um, but he's a guy that I I really really am excited to see. As you said, six seven with length, he's killed the G League this season. Uh, and normally, when that happens, and you're with Toronto. That normally means that you end up making the roster later on at some point. We saw that happen with Chris Boucher. We've seen it happen with Fred Van Vliet. We've seen it happen with Pascal. We've seen it happen with Norm Powell. So for, for that to be a, a continued sort of trend with Paul Watson, I'm excited about that. Uh, and O'Shea Brissett is a guy who I've actually seen um, you know, play a lot of basketball in his career. He's a guy that I've, I've watched play since grade nine. He was in grade nine, um, you know, watching him at Finley Prep. Uh, all the way through his, his AAU circuit, um, you know, he, he's he's been, uh, you know, he played with uh, on a team with Justin Jackson, if you remember him. Justin Jackson was a former first or second overall, or second round pick rather, with the Orlando Magic. He played with Nikhil Alexander Walker, who was obviously uh, now with the New Orleans Pelicans. They had a nice little team, a uh, nice little AAU team uh, down there with uh, that, that played on the uh, Under Armour circuit. So uh, O'Shea Brissett is a guy that was always long, always lanky. Um, you know, he drew at the time comparisons of like a, a Tracy McGrady mold where he was a bigger guard that can go in and, you know, playing at Syracuse, it's high level basketball, but you didn't get to see his defensive prowess because he was locked into that zone as, as long as he was. I, I think that he, and once he gets up to speed in terms of being able to defend at the NBA level, we'll see more of a no shaper set. Is he going to turn into Pascal? Probably not. Is he going to turn into Norm? Probably not. But he's going to be a solid guy that could be in a rotation uh, more than just an energy guy and someone that can go out and get you a bucket one-on-one. And that is so valuable at the NBA level. So, you know, nowadays. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, again, like, you know, he, he, he's just the little things while those things are kind of developing, running the floor, energy players. I think there was a game against uh, Portland this year. It was a close game he played. And I think it was double, double figure scoring he had in a regular season game. So it, it's there. I think that there, there's reason to be excited them like you mentioned the just a long sheet of names you know they might not necessarily live up to the norms and the van vliet's and the pascals but you know being serviceable guys I, I can easily see each of those guys if not one or the other you know down the line sliding into that 10 9 8 man in, in the rotation and, and being serviceable players in the nba that add a lot to 
successful team like the Raptors. Yeah, he's only 22 years old. That's the one thing we have to remember. The dude is young. He's, he's still got a lot of life to live. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to give a quick shout out to two uh, two guys who I've known for quite a long time who uh, who have gotten promotions and, and, and big step-ups within the Raptor organization. John Wiggins was named Vice President of Organizational uh, Culture and Inclusion this week, and Courtney M. Charles was named the VP of Basketball and Franchise Operations for the Raptors 905. Uh, for Courtney, he's a guy that I mean, he's he's done everything with the Raptor organization. He started off as an intern, worked his way up. He's he's done he's done a ton of different roles, and now to see him be able to run his own ship uh, with the Raptors 905 organization, I'm so happy and proud of you know his his accomplishment there. And then John Wiggins is a guy who uh, again started with the Raptors 905 organization, helped build that program and the willing culture there. And he, he to him, he's a guy that uh, is you know all about. Uh, you know, helping his community, uh, you know, Mississauga native, uh, Canadian, proud Canadian. And he is all about helping his community. And in this role, I think he, he feels like he can make an impact and change directly in his community through sport. And I know he's very, very, very proud about uh, having that opportunity. So uh, big shout out to two of those guys, John Wiggins and, of course, Courtney M. Charles. And I wish them all the best in their new roles. Uh, head on over to NBA.com for more information on what they, what those roles might actually be, uh, and what uh, you can, uh, what, where they've come from, because uh, you know they're not two names that most Raptor fans would just know off the top of their head. But uh, if you are familiar with the team, you've been to a ton of games, you've seen their faces around the organization a lot longer than uh, than you may think they have, especially if you were down at the nine to five uh, games for some of you Raptor fans uh, that do travel to Mississauga. Basketball is back, G. Basketball is back this week. We got scrimmages. Uh, we're recording on a day where the Orlando Magic and the Clippers are going to play. Uh, the Denver Nuggets and the Washington Wizards are going to play. Pelicans and the Nets. And uh, Miami and Sacramento. I bring this up because there's some CanCon in a lot of those games. You, of course, Jamal Murray with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, you know, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker with the Pelicans. We even got Kyle Alexander uh, you know, a, a member of the uh, of the Miami Heat organization who signed a two way deal this this year, rather. And uh, you know, this is a this is a chance for you know a guy like Nikhil to get into the rotation, a guy like Kyle Alexander to prove that he's worthy of maybe getting up to the big squad. So um, I'm going to be watching those games for that reason. Yeah, no, I think Nikhil is a guy I'm really really excited about. You know, there are some some workout video surface of him you know, after he was dealing with some issues of his dominant hand he's out here playing with his offhand as if it was his dominant hand and, and <laughs> you know what we saw from him last summer I think we might see a, a reprise of summer Nikhil he was he was really really aggressive last year in the summer league and, and was uh, great as a scorer and as a distributor and I think that for a team like the Pelicans who are clawing and scrapping to to make that push for that playoff spot I think he has the potential to be an x-factor I, I watched him play up close earlier this year they played against Utah and his numbers didn't jump off the page or anything like that but his impact was so big he had a couple 
big plays, strong drives to the basket, had a, had a nice dunk to beat the third quarter buzzer, um, drive, flashy pass, and, and he makes momentum plays right now. And as he's continuing to learn the game, which most rookies are still doing, I think he's going to find himself in a role for that, for that guard in that guard rotation with Drew Holiday and Alonzo Ball. Um, I think that he has an opportunity to, to have a really big, important role with that Pelicans team. So I'm excited to watch him play and see him kind of show off those, those new left-handed moves he has. And he said he's been looking at tape of Manu Ginobili. So that's kind of an exciting prospect for sure. He broke his hand. The first time I ever saw Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he, he had broke his hand. I think he was in maybe grade eight or grade nine. He had broken his hand and he was working as a volunteer at a local high school tournament running the scores table and, 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 and taking stats and whatnot. And every time there was a break in action, he would leave his position like most of those guys do, and he would get on the court. And he was shooting free throws with his left hand. And it looked so pure that I thought he was left-handed. Come to find out years later that he was only doing that because his, his hand had just healed from being broken. And he had to fight. He just could not not play the game. And he's, he's, he's that type of a gym rat where, you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is not going to make the NBA because of lack of effort. This dude is in the gym. He loves the game of basketball. He loves to improve. There are some guys that are just naturally talented, which he obviously is if he's made the NBA, but there is guys that are going to get every ounce of of effort out of his talent, and this is Nikhil Alexander-Walker. However far he goes, he's going to put the work in to do that. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see him play. Fionnu Cavangeli, who's who's a guy, your guy, uh, he's, he's not, he's not in Orlando, but he's a guy, um, you know, that obviously the Clippers picked up, uh, this last year, uh, through, through the draft and, uh, but he didn't get brought to Orlando. That's why we didn't mention him if you are wondering. Um, so those are the three Canadians, uh, that are playing today. Um, by the time you're listening to this, you probably maybe have already seen them play, but the Raptors specifically get started on Friday, uh, with the the Houston Rockets on TSN at 7.30. And then we have the Portland Trailblazers on Sunday at 6 p.m. on Sportsnet. And then TSN finishes things off with an afternoon game, 3 p.m. Eastern time. The Suns next Tuesday. Uh, that's Raptors and Suns next Tuesday. And then we get it all started. Regular season basketball is back. The Pelicans, uh, maybe with Zion, maybe not with Zion, kick everything off. I know everybody's going to be uh, excited to, to see them get back on the basketball court. Uh, what, what are you looking forward to most when we get back to action, as we say on the, on the website? You know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see the varying senses of urgency. You know, you talk about the Pelicans. They have no time to waste. You know, mm-hmm. they are – every game is, is must win for them. Uh, you know, the Jazz, our team – who they open up against, who's has some chemistry issues that they need to figure out. Um, you know, there's some teams are, are going to be more focused on, you know, just easing back into it, but other teams are, are, you know, hitting the ground running because every game matters. You know, there's going to be some playoff like atmospheres or necessarily atmospheres, not going to be fans there, but playoff like uh, intensity. Right. You know, you talk about some, some teams uh, all over the league. A lot of teams have a lot to play for, you know, so there's, there's teams in the middle of the Eastern conference jockeying for positioning. And I mean, that's something the Raptors should need to keep an eye on because whoever finishes third would be the Raptors likely second round, uh, you know, um, opponent should the Raptors finish second and, and advance. So there are a lot of things that need to be decided. There are going to be a lot of games that hold some, some weight. And, and again, like, you know, you look at, three or four game difference in the standings and think, oh, eight games, that's not enough. But if a team comes out and rings off five or six straight, another team, you know, opens up, you know, one and five or two and four, some teams might end up sweating. 
So, so I think there's going to be so much to play for with so many different teams. And, um, you know, there's been so many roster changes and roster additions and subtractions and guys who elected not to go. So people are going to step up into some bigger roles. So there's going to be a lot of storylines that develop rather quickly. Yeah, it's Pelicans and Jazz that will get things started for us to restart the NBA season. A lot of people will uh, in Toronto will be waiting patiently to see the Raptors. They'll have to wait two days before that happens. Uh, the game here in the United States for us will be on ESPN when the Raptors make uh, their Orlando bubble debut against the Los Angeles Lakers on Saturday big time national TV game. I know a lot of Canadian fans are always worried about whether or not uh, people are paying attention in the U S people are paying attention in the U S they're going to be paying attention to the Raptors. I think they have uh, four or five games that are going to be on national TV here in America uh, when we get back going. So that's all we have for you this week. We'll be back next week to actually talk about real basketball. No scrimmage is real basketball, but enjoy the scrimmages. Nonetheless, for the real basketball junkie who have been without basketball for as long as we have, I hope you guys savor every last second of it. For Gilmore Gregor, I am Carlin Gay. We will see you next week right here on the Raptors Pot Table Podcast.